Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. If you were with us last week, you may have heard that we did a bunch of different questions that we found online that Joe found. Where did you find them again, Joe? I don't know how I did it. I think I just asked questions for artists or something. Yeah. <laughs> something very straightforward into Google. And I ended up finding yeah, this great resource of questions that university students have come up with for the past geez, 20 years or something like that. Over 20 years. Every year they released a block of 10 or so questions. And so we've been looking through those and picking out our favorites because the questions are still relevant today even the ones from 1998 and stuff so they're strange they're like some of them are very silly some of them are in depth i don't know if they're like psychological type questions that are supposed to tell the psychology students a little bit about the artist if that's how they're designed or if they're just supposed to think up questions they'd like to ask artists and there's nothing more deep to it than that i'm not sure but they are great questions so we're gonna answer them we're gonna answer some of them yeah we answered a bunch last week i chose those i went through them and picked some i thought would be fun to answer and this was your week to pick so yep. i don't know what they are joe hasn't told me so i'm gonna be flying by the seat of my pants i guess just answer how i feel you probably haven't given it much thought i'm assuming you probably just picked them out and are gonna do the same so you're leading this then because i don't know the questions all right. So here's the first question. How much of your creative ability do you think is innate? Or is your creativity a skill that you have developed? We've talked a little bit about creativity in other podcasts and how it's kind of like a muscle that, or not just creativity, drawing and painting, all those things are kind of like a muscle and you work them and you get better. And so creativity is definitely like that. But I do think that there is some innateness to it. You know, like I think that there's definitely people that are a little bit more naturally creative, but you still have to work at it. That's why there's different techniques you can use to actually open up doors and become more creative. Yeah. But the question was how much of it you think it's innate and how much? Yeah, that's the question. If I just was throwing a random number, I would say like 20% innate. And then 80% is trained and learned and a muscle that you work. What are your thoughts? Like you said, we've kind of touched on this subject a little bit before. And I have this belief that we're all born with the same creativity potential. So I think we're all born with the same amount of innateness. <laughs> so my thought behind that is that it could be more nurture than nature is what I'm trying to get at. So learned abilities rather than genetics. And it could be as simple as you got a dopamine rush after creating something because someone who saw the thing that you created was really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And then you just liked how that felt. You kept going and going and going. And it was just like a domino effect till that became a, a trait of yours that you couldn't shake off. Yeah. You were now known as, oh, he's, he draws all the time. It's like, oh, I remember my parents telling my friend's parents that I draw all the time. So I'm going to keep drawing all the time. Right. How much of those subconscious things become the building blocks for your creativity and, and your desire to keep building or flexing those creative muscles and building up your creativity potential. So I have a question for you. So you said you think we're born basically all with the same potential, right? And I disagree with that because that's why I said 20% innate and 80%. So I think that you're right that anybody can gain a lot of creativity and can really work on that. But I still think there's 20% that's innate because if you liken it to bodybuilding, for instance, or working on your muscles. If I worked out, I used to lift weights a lot, actually. And I got to the point where my joints were hurting and I could never get to the size of some of those bodybuilders out there. And so I think that there is some that's just innate 
Like you could get a lot stronger than you are now, right? And just like you could get a lot more creative than you are now if you don't feel very creative. But I still think that there is some just innateness. Because like you think too, each of us, it's an unfortunate fact, but we all have different IQ levels even. And so that probably plays into creativity somewhat. And so there's potential in everybody for sure, but I think that it's a different potential. And then I don't want to put people down either because what I'm saying is maybe you don't have the same innate creativity as someone else. You probably are way better at than a lot of things than someone who is really creative. Everyone has their own different things that they're naturally better at. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It could be a natural advantage. Yeah. Right. Even though you don't think you could be a bodybuilder, you can. I bet you can. And I bet you could get pretty big, but maybe just not as big as someone who's right. Right. We've brought up NBA players before too, or like professional sports in general. Sometimes the physicality of yourself is the one thing that's blocking you to a certain level. I'm just not tall enough to compete amongst everyone who is way taller. It's like, yeah, I could, but it's going to be way, way more difficult. Way harder. That's how I feel. I think almost anybody could become a professional artist if they really trained and they really worked on their creativity and practiced. But I don't think anybody could just become one of the greatest artists in the world, Mm -hmm. a level where just every other artist respects them because their art is so amazing. I think that's what I mean by when I say that. And just like you said, maybe if I trained really hard, I could become a professional bodybuilder. But could I be the greatest in the world or the strongest in the world? No, that's just not going to happen. But to clarify that concept too, you can still have everything it takes to be the best, but not be the best. Well, that's true too. It's like we can work our whole lives and never be the best in the whole world Mm -hmm. and never have that acclaim. And same with the professional sports. There's tons of people we never even remember, but they played. Yeah. They played at a professional level. We just don't remember them because they didn't make themselves different. If you go down to watch a D-League basketball game, Those guys look like they're incredible basketball players and all could be in the NBA, and most of them probably could, but you just don't know who they are. But everyone knows who Michael Jordan is. Everyone knows who Larry Bird is. Right. It's like that extra level, I think, is where the innate ability comes in, where some people just are naturally a little bit gifted in some areas. That's all. But I do think vastly the majority of your creativity is from working at it. Mm -hmm. I agree. So this set of questions kind of piggybacks off of that in childhood. So what effect, if any, do you think your childhood has had on your creativity that you display as an adult? Yeah, so this is where I think so much of it is nurture-based creativity. There's several moments of my childhood that I remember as key moments now. Mm -hmm. Then they were something I brushed off and thought nothing of. But now when I actually think about my childhood, I think that they're actually key. And there's three. The very first memory I have, I guess the other question, what are your earliest memories involving your own creative expression? It's like a joint question to Parter, but they're talking the same. So my earliest memory was coming home from preschool or something with what I believe to be the first art piece that I did. And we were playing with crayons, colored pencils or something, and I drew what I said was a rainbow. And I used all the colors and used them in order or whatever. But it didn't look like a rainbow. It just looked like a mess. It looked like a cloud, more like a rainbow cloud, like a messy rainbow cloud. But I still remember that. And I remember how it felt. And I remember that My parents were proud of me, and I think that was the first thing that I got on the fridge, and that was a big deal at the time. And that stuck with me. I remember that it felt good, and I wanted to create more and get that feeling again. Almost like that was my first fix, right? (laughs) And then another memory I have, making a bunch of sketches 
bigger paper. Do you have an age about where you think you were at this time? Maybe kindergarten, maybe right before kindergarten. Okay. So there must have been like 10 pieces of paper with doodles on them of different things. And I had a mini art show at my grandparents' house and I spread everything out on one of the beds. One of my aunts were over at the time and she played along and looked at it and, you know, bought some of the pieces, you know, for the quarter or whatever, whatever I was selling it for. And I remember that being a huge dopamine rush. Selling some art. And loving that feeling and selling some art. And then I remember a little bit later down the line, I'm probably kindergarten, first grade, reinforced again. My dad's company had a company picnic. One of his colleagues that have been lifelong family friends saw that I was sitting alone in the yard in some corner with a sketchbook drawing uh, some flower that I saw Mm -hmm. all by myself intent. And he came over and he took a look and was encouraging me about it and showed a lot of interest. I wasn't used to some random person in my life showing interest in something I made. And I remember that being a key moment too, Mm -hmm. realizing how much I liked that. So those, I think, were pivotal creative moments from my childhood that has lasted with me today where I do the same thing to this day. I do think other people's opinions of what I draw and their reactions are important to me and they push me to keep going and love it. That is currency enough for me. But the fact that I can sell this stuff too right it makes it way better and it's touching some of those earliest memories too so those definitely sound like they had a huge impact and you don't just remember them it seems like you remember the details and they stood out to you so they probably did definitely have a pretty big impact on what you chose to do it's weird looking back what actually has had an impact you know i've never even thought about this question before really i know when i was a kid i drew and I enjoyed drawing, but it's not like I ever thought back too hard about whether any moments that really stuck out. I guess I think definitely my parents were always supportive and encouraging. Of course, back then we didn't have iPads or we did have like a Nintendo, but not like today where kids are just on their iPads and their phones and their video games constantly, right? So back then kids were probably in their parents' hair more and annoying more. And so whenever I was drawing, I'm sure that's another reason my parents were supportive because it was like, oh, he's being quiet and entertaining himself for a little while, right? Right. Do you remember having to do that? Entertain yourself and figure out what you're going to do? Oh, yeah. Some of my favorite things is imagining and figuring out what to do, keeping yourself busy. I was thinking maybe the kids today won't be as creative because they're constantly entertained and so they don't have to come up with things to do. But at the same time, a lot of them are on like TikTok and things like that. And those force you to be creative because you want to make something that other people like. So you're trying out new things and there's definitely a creativity to that. So I'm not sure what's better. I think what would be better would be a mix of some. But unfortunately, most kids spend 90% of their day on their phone. Yeah. What's interesting too, though, I think there's going to be a lot more instant gratification for kids today. Think about when you're watching cartoons as a kid, Saturday morning, and you're like, oh, I want to do that someday, and that'd be so cool. Now, with technology and the different programs that are available, you can start to get pretty close to that pretty quickly by yourself with just some can-do attitude where we didn't have that as even an option. We could start doodling, and that's all cool. We could start making things that were like the characters, but we could never make them move because the technology was just not there. You just didn't have the equipment. But now it's there. And so now you can play with Play-Doh and experiment with what a toy may look like. And we have the technology now where a kid could scan it and then print it. 
on a 3D printer. These are becoming more and more available and easier and easier. Yeah. Where the creativity might be a whole new breed of creativity. Yeah. Where we were just imagining what could be and holding on to the imagination of it. They can make that a reality. There's so many apps out there that you can download that will do like stop motion animation or all sorts of cool things like this that we didn't have access to when we were kids. And so they are being creative in some ways that we weren't able to. At the same time, the more people that have that skill, maybe the less valuable it becomes. Maybe. A stop motion animator 25 years ago probably would be able to get jobs pretty easily because there weren't that many of them. But the more people that can do things like that, but there's also more content than ever. Or maybe it's just going to rise all ships. That's obviously a possibility too. It's just... Who knows? With technology, it's hard to see where things are going, but it's cool for sure. I do appreciate growing up before most of that stuff. It's just such a different childhood for people like to have access to all that stuff. Have you seen the show on Hulu called Welcome to Plathville? It's a reality show where they follow this family. I think it's only one season, but it's this family that were really fundamental Christians, and they have eight kids, I think. Kids were never allowed to watch TV. They didn't have a TV in the house. They didn't have video games. They lived on a farm. And they're homeschooled. They don't go to a school. And I always used to think, oh, you're homeschooled. You're not probably going to develop social skills as well. But these kids actually have better social skills than the average kid because they're not glued to their phones. And they're forced to like communicate and talk with each other and play games like that. So I do find that show interesting because it's like a peek back to what it used to be like, but even further back than when I was a kid, because when I was a kid, I had a TV and they don't even have that. It's almost like they're living an Amish life in a way or something. It's just strange because they got their own reality show, which I don't know how that happened. And so they're on a reality show, but they're not allowed to watch TV. So there's like this weird contradiction, but it's definitely an interesting show for sure just to see how that works. But it shows the kids playing in some of the episodes and you can tell that they're being creative with their games and stuff. And I remember having to do that. And a lot of times just sitting there with my friends, what do you want to do? We're bored and like just making up games, which is fun to do. I don't know, just to make up your own game. Yeah, that's so much fun. That takes creativity and fun and you make the rules up as you go along. so much fun. So I think it's just going to be a different breed of creatives. They just have access to different tools. To answer the question, I think your childhood definitely plays a part in your adulthood in every way. And so it's important to encourage and support your kids with their interests. As a creative, do you believe that you perceive the world differently from other people? That's interesting. You hear like that phrase a lot these days, like my truth, right? Everybody has their own truth and everybody does have their own viewpoint and their own bias because you're the only person that's lived all of your specific experiences, right? Nobody else has lived my exact life. So of course I view things differently. I'm trying to think if as a creative, if that has, of course it affects me in some way, right? but I think being an individual who is the only person that's lived my exact life, that affects how I view things more than anything. Yeah. I feel like the only way I could really answer this question is to compare it to my brother. Right. I think he's a very creative thinker, but he's not in a creative industry. He's in accounting and finance, almost opposite. This is a perfect scenario to talk about because who's closer to living your exact experience than your brother? He lived at least with your same parents and he lived a similar life. So go ahead. So he's the closest to you that you're going to find. He's the closest I'm going to find and the closest to the experiences. Right. And so we're pretty close and we like similar things. So I try to put myself in his shoes a lot 
especially when I'm looking at my own work and thinking about my own work. And I have him look at my work and try to tell me what he thinks. And so by doing that, I get to have glimpses of what it would be like if I wasn't a creative or in a creative industry. Mm-hmm. And I do think that I see the world slightly different. Yeah. And it's because of training, probably. It's less analytical, more perceptive. And so I know when I'm walking down the street, we both have self-diagnosed ourselves as having ADHD, but never actually have gone through the process or treatment or anything. We're definitely on the same page there. Okay. Where, you know, we're both seeing the squirrel pass by and whatever anyways so when we're both walking down the street though even though we're both distracted by things i think i am actively seeing these things and more intensely and trying to categorize everything i see and remember things and remember lighting and remember scenarios and remember how someone reacts because i'm just adding to my database of things that I've seen so then I can reproduce that somehow. Yeah. And so day-to-day life, it feels like it's just so much more information gathering and downloading than my brother walking next to me doing the same thing. Could be. It could be that you're just downloading different information than he's downloading too. Right. But I know what you mean. You're noticing things that maybe he's not or maybe he's noticing them, but you're taking a different type of notice and you're... Right. But if we were to both walk down a street... And let's say in New York City, we're in Times Square. That's a lot of visual information to take in for anybody. But I do think creatives are a little bit different in this situation. Think about your computer. How many spreadsheets can you fit on your hard drive versus how many photos can you fit on your hard drive? Right. What's going to take up more space, upload, download times, that kind of thing? Is it an advantage? Is it a disadvantage? I guess it's different for each person's field. That's an interesting way to put it, too, because computers have a certain type of memory. So how much of your brain is taken up by visuals? And I guess when I think about specific things, like if I'm watching a movie with my wife, she will be really focused on the story, and I will be too, but I also notice the angle of the camera and the visuals probably more than she does that's a great point if we're out in public i might notice like a logo and font they used for that and things like that that she probably doesn't care about at all oh yeah i'm nitpicking all the time watching a movie when i watch a movie with my brother he wants to watch it with subtitles on even if it's in english yeah and that ruins it you crazy it's ruining the visual composition yeah and that's what it's supposed to be like it's the visual format it wasn't made with subtitles in mind that's weird that he wants to put the subtitles on he doesn't want to miss it or wants to obtain it better like read it and hear it oh i can't stand that i would watch a movie if it had to be in subtitle right but then like think of all that time you're distracted from the actual things that are happening because you're reading yeah no thanks yeah no thanks here either but to each their own yeah so i think probably creatives definitely look at things differently in some ways but in other ways maybe not i also when i look at people when i see their faces i often think if i had to draw their face like what shapes would i you know what i mean i'm like picturing how i would draw them <laughs> and obviously people that don't draw a lot well they definitely don't think that so yeah is another thing that i do. so here's a weird one that i found all right pretty fun kind of a two-parter again so i'll read both at this time what if we cloned highly creative individuals what would be the benefits or problems of that and then it would be best if blank percent of the world's population were highly creative because blank you're answering this one first it's your turn <laughs> it's your turn i'm just i'm just going by the rules <laughs> Um, I'm really biased towards creativity. I think everyone has the potential for creativity. 
And I wish people were more creative in any field, no matter what field you're in. I think high creativity would be a great benefit Mm -hmm. to anything. I actually think it would be best if 100% of the world's population was highly creative because you would start looking at problems differently from different angles and trying to attack it in different ways from big problems all the way down to small problems. And if you're tackling even small problems creatively, That's also a ripple effect to the bigger problems. You solve the easy stuff first, and then that's a foundation to step up on. It's one more step higher to more productivity everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think if everyone attacked their job and their passions with the highest creativity possible, I think everyone would be at a much better place. And it could be as easy as, there's a lot of talk about automation, but I kind of have this theory that instead of automated machines or automotive systems taking over jobs, it's like, yeah, it's going to replace a lot of jobs, but it's not going to mean that there's not going to be new jobs. And even if there wasn't new jobs, there would still be plenty of things we can do to make the world better. And with automation, let's say, (laughs) how do I put this? I have this like utopia idea of animation where in a world where everything was animated that could be animated and all these jobs were lost because of this, Mm -hmm. but now these machines are making all the money for us and we're just distributing that to everybody. And so we don't have to work as hard. And now we could think even more creatively about the next problem and the next problem. So it's like, think of how much we don't have to think about day to day because of technology and general life conveniences. Of course, if you're fortunate enough. If granted you're fortunate enough, you have a roof or a shelter over your head, clothes on your back, food in your belly, a place to go get food when you need it. And those basic life things, you don't have to think about. You don't have to hunt. You don't have to gather. You might have to build shelter, but you might not have to build shelter or make fire. So now you could put all that creative energy into something else. And so now we're working jobs behind a computer. You never thought that that was going to be a job before. Mm -hmm. And with automation, made that job. And so now with more animation, it could maybe replace the job you're currently in, but make a new job, just advance, advance, advance. And I think that would be due to 100% of the world's population being highly creative. And I think it's destined to come eventually. If we really boosted the creativity levels, I think that would come way faster. (laughs) It's a a long-winded answer to that Well, it's an interesting thought. I actually don't think I agree, but... Okay, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm trying to think, like, I bet if you were to ask the average farmer how satisfied they were with their life, they probably feel pretty satisfied, content, happy. They feel good about the hard day's work. Whereas if you ask the average person that just sat behind a computer all day... But I guess if you're talking about sitting behind a computer and doing something creative, maybe it's different. A lot of people that sit behind computers are doing like accounting and boring things, right? Right. But that's not the question. The question is around creativity. And we talked about this before where we don't think creativity means art. You could still be highly creative as a farmer. You could still be highly creative as an accountant. Yeah. And find you could find creative ways to do your farming to make it easier. Like you could still be passionate about it. Yeah, I guess so. I think I like the balance that there is now. In fact, I almost wish there was less creative people because if everybody was highly creative, why would they hire someone to do their logo for them? They would just figure that out. I can do that. But again, you're now thinking creativity means art. It's like you could be highly creative in pottery and not be highly creative in logo design. I feel like highly creative people, though, 
feel like they can do any type of creativity. I feel like... Well, do you feel highly creative? I feel like I'm more than average, better than the average person, but I don't know if I'm highly... Cre- I don't know if that how to actually even measure that. But like, even if you were to pump up your creativity, whatever that means, mm-hmm. you think you would have the feeling that you can now do something you're not currently doing? Because I'm highly creative, I'm going to become a doctor, I'm going to build a house, I'm going to do pottery, I'm going to start farming. I don't think so. I think you would be highly creative in the area that you want to be highly creative in, and it's just going to raise that level. I think you're right with certain things. Like, I'm a creative person. If I need a house built, I'm going to hire someone to do it, right? Because I'm not going to build the house just because I feel like I'm creative enough to do that, right? But just take logo design, for an instance, like that is something that's easy enough that I feel like people wouldn't hire out for that because a lot of people don't as it is, they figure they can make their own logo. And so if everyone was highly creative, I think those types of jobs, especially with what we were just talking about 15, 20 minutes ago, where how there's apps for like stop motion animation, all types of things, the more design apps that are created, the less likely people are to hire certain artists, artists that do things that maybe are on the easier spectrum, you know, what people think are easier, like drawing and creating things like that. There's still room for lots of different types of creativity. And I feel like as it is, there's already so many creative people out there. And there's also a lot of people that think they're more creative than they are. And they're trying to make a living as a creative. So there's so much competition. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a world where there's different levels of creativity, where some are very creative, and then some are very analytical. They don't feel that creative, but they're okay with that. Yeah, I guess we're still having different mindsets on what creativity means. Even the people that are crazy analytical could be just really creatively analytical. Well, then I feel like then we already live in a world where everyone's highly creative because everyone's creative in their own way. My wife and I talk about this. She doesn't feel creative, right? Mm -hmm. But she does lots of things that I feel like are creative. Crocheting, she collects like sea glass and makes pictures out of them. I can keep going, right? But the point is... I feel like everybody is already creative and maybe even highly creative in some way. Maybe they don't know it or they haven't figured out what their way is. So I don't even know that anything would change much unless people maybe became more aware of their creativity. Yeah. In that case, I think that's fine. It's an interesting thought experiment, even. What category of creativity would I want to be highly creative in? It's like, yeah, I think I'm pretty high in a bunch of art-related categories but if i had to pick which one what would it be and then is it different than the track that i'm currently on and then asking yourself why is it not the track that i'm currently on just like monetarily the best creativity out there right now would be technologically creative people like the guy that developed twitter or mark zuckerberg are creative in a technological way and a social way i guess too because that's what social media is so if you had that type of creativity you could probably do pretty well for yourself in developing some things that were really valuable to a lot of people focusing on a skill a high income skill or yeah as far as the part of your question about cloning i just don't like the idea i think it's weird <laughs> to like create people that weren't there i think you're messing with Nate. i just don't yeah. think that's good yeah, i agree so what if in a sci-fi world you could clone yourself oh that's t- to a t so i could just make them do like all the things i don't want to do <laughs> Isn't that a movie? Well, because it's yourself, you can't really make yourself do anything, right? It'd end up being a partnership in everything you do. And now you could just basically do 
twice the amount of work. That would be good. I guess I could see the benefit in that. But it's like, okay, I'm going to do a printing shift. You get next shift and then I'll start drawing. And then it's like a continuous right. <laughs> pipeline. Yeah. Because I mean, I think every human feels like they wish they had more hours in a day, right? Right. Then you'd basically just doubled your hours. Kind of like Rick and Morty. Yeah. There's a lot of Ricks and <laughs> different in different timelines. I've never seen that show. I know that's like... Oh, shit. I thought you had. No, I haven't. And I know that it's a really big popular show and I probably should have. I got to give it a chance because I know I probably like it because I like a lot of shows that are probably similar. I just haven't sat down to watch it. Yeah. Maybe that's my next one, though. Next, because I'm always looking for new shows. You should. You should. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. I feel like if I had a clone of myself, it would be pretty cool. But you'd quickly find all your flaws, right? (laughs) Well, that's the other thing, too. It's a lot of self-improvement really quickly. Yeah. That you would have to go through. That's true. You have to find a therapist for sure. You'd probably annoy yourself, really. (laughs) Right. I know. Because you never know how other people perceive you. Right. Like, you only know how you perceive yourself. But if you had a clone of yourself, you're kind of perceiving you from the outside. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. You would probably find yourself so annoying. You would be self-conscious. You wouldn't even want to go out and public. Right. Like, we're well, living people we're, see me. We're living in bliss right now. Ignorance of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would like it at all. Now that I think about it more. To see yourself is truly how other people see you. Do you want that? <laughs> you imagine if you could have a little thing in your head that went off anytime anybody in the world was talking about you and you could know what they were saying. Like would you even want that? No. I don't think I would. No. I always think of that. And I don't really want to know what people truly think because Maybe I'd be pleasantly surprised sometimes, but you'd also be really hurt sometimes, probably. Yeah, probably. And so it isn't worth it. But anyway, that's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it's a couple part question. What's yeah. the next one? I have three left, but they're all good. So we've been talking, continue the creativity train that we've been on. So Van Gogh and Warner painters that have been thought to have psychological problems. Yeah. And some historians believe this, some don't. It's been kind of arguing about that. And debate about that. So the question is, one, do you agree that Van Gogh and Warner had psychological problems? Two, is there a link between psychological problems and creativity? Oh, I like this question a lot. The second part specifically, because the first part, how would I answer that? I don't know them. I don't know if they have psychological problems. It's just like based off of their, everyone knows Van Gogh. And so if you were to just know him based on the art you know he did. I still think that would be hard to tell. I think so too. I'm on the same page. I don't think you can tell that. Right. Through the art. But. And so the second part was, do you think there's a connection between psychological issues or mental illness? I imagine that probably would be rolled into that too. And yeah, this was dating back to 1998, so it might be politically correct on how I just said that, but... I think you worded it fine, and you okay. didn't write the question. I think that people, for some reason, I can't figure out why, kind of glorify mental illness in some ways. And if you ever listen to comedian podcasts, they'll talk about how a lot of them are depressed and have substance abuse issues, and that helps their comedy. And I think a lot of artists are in that same boat where they almost think it's cool to be an artist and deal with depression. And and I don't know why. I don't know if I'm even right, but I kind of get that feeling from some. I get that feeling from people too. Yeah. I think like anybody could be a creative person. You could be happy. You could be totally sane. And not that people with mental illnesses aren't sane. I'm just, because I have depression and anxiety and I take a medicine for it and I feel good generally now. And I used to, I used to have substance abuse issues and I have been clean and sober now for eight or nine years, a long time. Mm -hmm. I actually feel more creative now than I did when I was in the midst of all that garbage, you know, when I was really struggling with that stuff. So 
if anything, maybe I think the connection is the other way around, where the more you can get your life in a manageable, orderly way, the more you can spend creating. But I don't know. What do you think? I agree. And I think, I believe that I could paint psychedelically without being on psychedelics or having psychosis or right i feel like i could paint a picture similar to what van gogh painted in a similar way and be totally clear-minded right totally on point so it doesn't mean that he had psychosis way no do i think there's a link between maybe with some people maybe it's hard to say because i don't have it but I think what you were getting at and what we've been getting at whole hour is that everyone has a link to create yeah. no matter what. So yeah, you could have different mental issues and still have creativity as an outlet to help with things or to work your way through things. And I think that's what's great about creativity. That's a great link that everyone has, but I don't think it's inherent with mental illness. I don't think there's any evidence to suggest it either. Like I know there are some, if you think of Mitch Hedberg or Kurt Cobain, these people that probably had some really strong inner turmoil, people consider them to be creative geniuses, right? But there's also tons of creative geniuses that don't struggle like that. Like those people I mentioned, maybe they would have made even better music and comedy and art if they didn't struggle so much. And if they weren't addicted, there's no evidence to suggest that that's why they were so creative and so their music or comedy or art was so good i feel like there's a better link and better connection between creativity and empathy and i think this question is more trying to go along the same path of people with psychological problems being more empathetic to those problems and then being able to use that as a catalyst for their art but if an empathy and understanding is more the fuel for creativity it's interesting. There might be something to it. I also think of John Wayne Gacy. I wouldn't consider him a very empathetic person. He's a serial killer, but his paintings are pretty creative and they've sold for a lot of money. So Right, but he's tapping into some intense emotion. Yeah, that's true. And some intense feeling, no matter what that is, you know, good, bad, ugly, and being able to translate that in yeah. a visual way. So he's very emotive. Okay, that's interesting. I think anybody can be creative mm -hmm. me too and there's lots of examples for people that have mental illness and psychological issues but there's also plenty that don't that are greatly creative yeah you have one or two more questions i do have two more let's just do them yeah can you describe your state of mind when you are creating something i think it's your turn to go first <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure this is a super hard question for me. You don't really think about it. And so I start with an idea. And so my state of mind is actually more analytical than creative at this point. I'm thinking about the idea, the concept of the idea. Is it a sound idea? I'm trying to then work out how I would do this visually, compositionally, formally. And then once I have some ideas that I want to explore... And that's when I start to get it onto paper. So when I'm getting things onto the paper and I'm trying to think of my state of mind, it's almost like my hand and brain take over and I feel like I dive into a subconscious state where uh, like I'm almost floating between time. Sometimes I get in this flow state that I don't even understand how much time has passed and sometimes don't even fully understand how I got to where I got. You're in the zone. It's almost like you'd sometimes tap in so, so deeply that... It's like you've taken your hands off the wheel and something else is driving. That's the best I can describe it. It's, that's a weird question. Yeah, I think that you probably answered it pretty similarly to how I would answer it, though. You just get into this weird zone where you kind of stop thinking that much. It is more like it's just happening more naturally. 
I think that's the way to describe it. You have an idea of what you want, but then sometimes that process completely changes, and sometimes the idea of what you want is changing continuously as you're going. But the biggest trick I find, at least for me, is that something needs to be there first in order to even fix it. And so you're getting something on the paper, and you just keep fixing it until you like it. Yeah. And that's the state of mind, I think, in a nutshell. When you do your live drawings on Instagram, I just did a live YouTube video with the musician. Yeah. And I found it hard to get into that state of mind or that zone because I was so aware that other people were watching me. Mm -hmm. And so that made it harder to get into that zone. It is. I don't think I ever actually get into that zone. It stays very analytical and I'm depending on working with concept and really just roughing things out and letting the idea start to develop so that when I finish the hour, I have a solid sketch, an idea of something I want to do. doesn't mean it's going to be exactly like that and so when i take it out and i'm working on it over the course of the week that's when i start to get into flow states and right really start to think about what's working what's not working what do i include from what we talked about during the live session don't include cool so it's hard when it's live yeah it's almost like you're trying to get everyone on board to also come into that flow state with you doesn't always work it takes time if it was a couple hours and i started to actually move into what the final might look like i might be able to but it's hard for me to talk through it yeah i'm starting to get to a point where i can in some aspect of that especially if it's like the second time i'm doing the same piece or like i already planned the piece out and now i'm just going through the steps that i went for that makes sense for sure I was just curious because I know you've done live drawings and I have a hard time getting into that spot. So I figured you probably did too, but it sounds like we are in the same Yeah, spot. it's tough stuff. Cool. What's the last question then? We got one more. What would you most like to be remembered for? I saw this question, I think. It might have been phrased different. I just like to be remembered for someone who like stood up for what they believed in. I don't even care if it's my art. It's not something I've really thought about that much. Is that something you've thought about? Like, after you're gone, what would you want to be remembered for? It does come to mind quite a bit. I I want to be remembered as a positive blip. And whatever that positive blip is, I just hope giving as many smiles as I can throughout my lifetime. And then hopefully my work can continue to give smiles after. Yeah, are we talking about remembered from... Your family and friends? Because let's be real, 99.9% of people are not remembered, Mm -hmm. right? It's just the facts. And I'm okay with that. That's fine with me if I'm not remembered by the general public. I actually am more concerned with how my family and friends would remember me. Hmm. I'd want to be known as like someone who would do anything for them and who they, you know, enjoyed being around. I guess that's why I never thought about something like that because I guess I'm a pretty realistic person person and realize the reality is nobody's going to remember you. I don't care if anybody remembers me, but I would care if my work isn't remembered. Hmm. I thought you were going to say I would care if I was remembered in a negative way. That's what I thought you were going to say. Oh. Because that would be worse, obviously, than you'd rather be just not remembered than be remembered for being a bad person. Right, that too. Everyone should strive to just be a good person, right? And so let's just say you did a good job there. But I would love for my work to have more of a lasting impact somehow. Well, let's put it this way. If things continue the way they're going, you won't be remembered in a good light because it seems like a lot of people want to judge people in the past by today's standards, right? And so if that continues, then there's no way we can live up to standards from thousand years from now, right? You don't even know what the standards are, so how can you live up to them? So people 250 years ago lived in a world where the standards were just different 
And so, of course, they don't live up to our standards. I guess that's true. It's like even if I were to look back at my own social media history, let's say, even the stuff that I made public, a lot of things wouldn't hold up to the current standards that I have, you know, because of growth. Right. And all that. That's just how it is. But there are a lot that will. I think there are a lot of aspects that will hold true. That doesn't matter because what I'm saying is if things continue the way they are, people don't care if most of your personality was good. If they find one bad thing, they want to cancel you, right? So let's put it this way. When I was in high school, every single person that I know would say like, that's gay, you know, or Mm -hmm. that's retarded. They would use those words like nothing. Right. And I'm just as guilty of that. Right. Because it was just our culture at the time, how we grew up. Right. And so that was not a standard that it is today. So that's why I hate that culture of let's just cancel people for one thing they said. 25 years ago, but everybody was saying that 25 years ago. Maybe they weren't caught doing it. Or so I think that's such a dangerous trend to just judge people by standards today. So that's why when I think of 100 years from now, I don't think any of us will be remembered in a positive light if things continue in that direction. They'll just find one bad thing you said or one piece of art that's a little bit off color. Not today. Today they would be great, but I'm saying from their standards, who knows what the standard will be? Who knows what you're doing right now that people would think negatively of? That's an interesting thought. I'd like to think that wouldn't be the case and that we're kind of growing up in an era where everything is recorded. And so you can't just blindly say, I didn't do that. You can't just not fess up and realize, uh, admit to being wrong. And I know I wasn't as good of a person as I was compared to what I am now. And I know that in the future, I'm going to think the same thing. And I'm going to keep growing and keep growing. And so hopefully, that's what's reflected, right? Hopefully, if you develop your brand enough around being humbled by the fact that you were wrong, you're now the guy that has been growing and will continue to grow and people can still trust. So I know what you're saying, but I'm trying to spin it to a more optimistically, I guess. Yeah, I don't mean to be negative. I saw an article three days ago that basically was calling Martin Luther King a white supremacist. And I'm thinking like, what? He obviously was not a white supremacist, but because of a couple of things that he said that were totally fine at his time. So I just see this really ridiculous trend of just picking at people. And so I think probably for the most part, most people in the general population don't feel that way. I think most people think Martin Luther King tried to do the right thing and he was a really good person that made a lot of positive changes, right? But more people push in that direction. Who knows? It's crazy. It's crazy. I think it's so silly. And I know what you mean things are more recorded today, so maybe people are more careful. But people, 25, 30 years ago when I was talking about, people would say those words that I just mentioned on TV in front of national audiences because they were just accepted yeah it wasn't like my friends and i were at school saying that's so gay like nobody could hear us those things were just said watch any tv show from the 80s that's just what people call things you know like it's just how it was yeah so i think you're better off not being remembered (laughs) because people (laughs) if you're remembered people are going to pick through everything you said and did (laughs) right well yeah that'd be fine being the sacrificial lamb if it moves people forward (laughs) let's just put it that way and if i yeah whatever i think those are interesting questions yeah (laughs) i always just think about my family of course i want my family and friends just to remember me as someone they actually enjoyed being around because you know there's those people that every time you're around them they're just always so negative that you just don't want to be around them because they bring you down so i just want people who know me to remember me as someone that at least was somewhat enjoyable to be around or They had some good times with me. (laughs) Is there any artworks you would want to be remembered for? I mean, at this point, 
I feel like the album cover I did for Tyler will be, if I never did another piece of art, that's going to live on just because it's on an album, right? That won a Grammy. So that probably would be the most likely one to be remembered for, right? Yeah. Would that be the one I wanted to be? I guess I'd have to think more about that. But mm-hmm. well, how about you? I don't think I've created the thing that I want to be remembered for yet. And I have this dream of making large sculpture that I make into bronze sculptures that will stand the test of time. I like the idea of that. I like the idea of something I make lasting for hundreds of years. Yeah. And it being like just a stupid character that I made, but I made it into bronze. So now it's... <laughs> Now it's going to last and now it's a thing. Yeah. And I feel like if it's just around long enough, if something's around long enough, it becomes a thing no matter what it is. You know, so think of monuments, for instance, when you first put them up, you think you could maybe think nothing of it. But as years and years go by, it becomes a thing. Yeah. Like the Washington Monument, there's nothing like really particularly cool about it or spectacular about it. But now it's a monument and everyone knows what it is. I don't know who built it, though. Yeah. That's the other thing. There's a lot of art and stuff that lives that we don't even know who created it. Right. You don't remember the architect. Right. Yeah. So that could be another thing, too. I have people message me sometimes and be like, oh, I saw your stuff on TikTok. Are you the guy that did the Tyler album cover? And then I wonder the most people that even own that album with the cover that I did probably don't even know my name right think of all the album covers or the albums that you own like do you know the names of the artists that did all the covers maybe one or two of them maybe right when you walk down an aisle at the grocery store do you know who designed that box of cheez-its right no there's no no way no you don't or any of those logos no you don't but i think i like that too i don't mind the work i create being the popular one i'd rather the work have the popularity than me i'd rather my character that i make like mickey mouse yeah. have it be mickey mouse level but never be walt disney yeah right i agree i like that idea i like the idea of the guy that did the simpsons matt groaning you know you've seen his name like a yeah. billion times but the fact is he could walk in this room right now and i wouldn't recognize him mm-hmm. i always think that's the best type of fame because you could say your name to anybody and they'd know who you were oh, I'm Matt Groening, I'm the guy that created The Simpsons, and all of a sudden you're really... But if you want to be anonymous, you totally could be because nobody knows what you look like, really. Right. That's perfect, right? Yeah, you just be a fly on the wall. Or you see someone walk by with a shirt that you made, or you see a bus drive by with an ad that you designed on it. I think those are all cool, cool things. Yeah, I think that's interesting, being able to have something out there that people know, but they don't know that it's yours, and so it's like you can Mm -hmm. maybe have a cool fact about yourself that nobody knows i don't know yeah so well thanks everybody i think that was a fun talk if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer please let us know we'd love to hear them you can either email us at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com or message us directly on instagram i'm at fort house and lewis is at lewis rosignal mm-hmm. and we'd love to hear from you yep i think this was a really cool episode of the last two because we were talking about more questions that are a little bit more opinion based and so we maybe didn't agree but we did it in a civil way and i really actually enjoy that when we don't agree because i get to hear a different point of view and it's way better yeah yeah i love that and so we agree on a lot but we don't agree on everything and that's totally cool yeah it's good to hear people not agree and do it in a nice way because there's a lot of people that don't know how to do that these days right well right it gets heated sometimes so anyway take care guys thanks for joining us yeah take care